We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Al Jefferson, and you are listening to Setting the Pace on PacersTalk.net. Pacer fans, welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace on PacersTalk.net. I'm joined by my one and only co-host, the president of the Jermaine O'Neal Fan Club, Mike Fachi. Fachi, what's going on, man? Hey, nothing much. I am excited to be here, but I am even more excited by who else is on the line today. Alex, would you like to tell me who we have on the phone with us? Absolutely. We have a big guest for you today. It is the one and only... Big Al Jefferson. Al Jefferson, thank you so much for joining us here on Setting the Pace. Oh, man, thanks for having me on. Absolutely, absolutely. So I know you and you and Fachi have been talking back and forth, so Fachi, go ahead and ask, ask Al the first question. Yeah, so Al, I mean, I met you at the Big Three. Guys, Al was super cool. I mean, he is with the first-place triplets right now in the Big Three. They are the team to beat. I mean, Joe Johnson taking the league by storm. Looks like the triplets – are, you know, potentially going to get it done. I mean, Al, what has the Big Three been like so far for you in your first year? Man, it's been amazing, man, um, because you, you, you would think, you know, playing 14 years in the NBA and coming into the Big Three that, you know, it's kind of like a level down, but it's not. It's not. Um, of course, we're not playing five-on-five five full court, but the, the level of, uh, of competing and the competition and guys, like you said earlier, we the team to beat. So every week we get the we get the best of every team that we play, you know. And uh, and it's fun. It's fun uh, playing with Joe Johnson. Been been with a lot of fun because you know I never get, had so many layups in my life just playing <laughs> off somebody, you know. <laughs> so uh, man, you know we we have a great team. It's a great league, you know. Um, and I'm really having a ball with it. 
Yeah, well, I wanted to ask you a little bit about Jeremy Lin's comments that came out. I don't know if it was last week or a few days ago, but Jeremy Lin came out and said he felt like the NBA had given up on him. And for you, you know, you were a pretty dominant player down low for multiple years, and then you spent some time playing backup center here for the Pacers, and then just like that, you know, you're playing in China. So when you when you look at what happened with Jeremy Lin and his comments, I mean, do you feel like with the way the league has changed that the league kind of gave up on you and maybe even a guy like Joe Johnson as well? Um, I, I I can't say that the league gave up on me. Mm-hmm. I honestly couldn't say that. Um, I think the league did change the way the style of play, and and uh, I don't think that's um, no knock on the league. I think that's more a knock on me because you know I was talking to my trainer who I've been working out with since I was ninth grade, and I remember when he used to have me have me doing two ball drills. You know, trying to bellow my handles with the ball. He had me doing guard stuff, and I used to fight with him every day. Like, man, why you got me doing this? Because I would never do this in a game, you know, and I remember mm-hmm. doing that. And now I regret that. That's like one of my biggest regrets because if I would have been, you know, wouldn't have been fighting him on that and learning how to dribble the ball like a guard, like Miles Turner. Miles Turner's seven foot. He could dribble that ball as good as any big man I have ever seen, and you cannot take it from him. You know, I can name a lot of more uh, big guys who could, who got real uh, good ball handles and who could shoot the ball real well. And I wish I would have spent more time on that so when the league did change, I could have changed my game. You know, I was just more locked in in the old school game, back to the basket, because I've been my bread and butter for so many years. You know, but I don't, I don't think the league gave up on me. They gave me 14 years when I went to China. You know, I still had offers on the table to come and play that veteran role, but I just wanted to play. I just wanted to get it out of my system. And it didn't work out in China, so I wish I would have stayed. But, uh, you know, uh, I don't think the league gave up on me. I just think they gave me they gave me a hell of a career, man. They get, you know, they helped me um, accomplish things I would never would have accomplished if it weren't for the NBA. So, Yeah, I mean, 14 years. I mean, you're talking about multiple years averaging over 20 and 11 per game. But – when you first come into the league, I mean, it's straight out of high school. So you're 18, 19 years old, and then you're almost being, like, forced to swim with sharks because you're talking about some of the big men before. You're going up against Shaq and Yao in the paint. I mean, what is that like? <laughs> Man, that was crazy. That was, like, one of the most exciting and scary moments of my life because, you know, I knew since I was in the seventh grade that um, I wanted to go to the NBA and I wanted to go right out of high school. So, I knew it wasn't going to be no walking apart. I knew that, you know, my senior year in high school, I averaged 40, 42 points a game. Good um, grief. You know, I was, the, <laughs> I, was the, I was the go-to guy, you know, and I knew whatever team I was, that was going to pick me, it was going to be a change. And, you know, and I went in with an open mind. But like you said, you know, the traveling, playing four games and five nights, playing in different cities, playing against superstars like Shaq, who I looked up to and was like my favorite player, one of my favorite players growing up until you dunked on me in my rookie year, then I ain't like him no more after that. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, it yelled me, you know, to, to see a guy that's 7'7 and could move and play like he did. You know, it was fun, man. It was a lot, and, you know, and guys who play basketball like me and everybody else in the world who love the game, you know, when you step on that court, you want to compete. You want it to be... You wanted to be, you know, thick out there. You want to um, compete at a high level. So, you know, that's the excitement that come with it. Well, being that you were a player that was drafted out of high school, we've had quite a few players on here that have actually been drafted out of high school that we've talked to. And just kind of gauging their opinions on the rule change that's going to happen here in the next couple of years for the NBA draft, are you excited to see the league go back to allowing players to come straight to the league after high school? <laughs> 
Oh, so it's official? They're going back? I believe so. In 2021, 2022, around that time, it's supposed... I think it's official. I mean, I might be incorrect on that, but I'm I'm pretty sure it's it's in the making. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm really excited about that because I feel like... Um, I mean, I was just watching... Uh, I'm not a big tennis person, but I was just looking at the, the big tennis match not too long ago, and I seen a little 14-year-old girl, 15-year-old girl who was playing real well, and and um, she beat Venus, I think. And I was just sitting there thinking, like, you know, you know, we shouldn't stop these guys that they can play. I mean, I know football is a different story because you got to have time for your body to mature before you go out there and play with them grown men. <laughs> but in basketball and in other sports, I just feel like we, we shouldn't stop kids that they good enough to come straight out of high school and, and play at that high level. And we, I think in the NBA case, we have proved that we are good enough. I mean, if you look at the, some of the superstars in this league, you know, a lot of them came out of high school. You know, you look at Kobe Bryant, you look at Kevin Barnett. You know, a lot of them guys came out of high school. But um, and then I also think it would be good to keep guys from who don't want to go to college. They go overseas and try to play professional over there, right out of high school. And I just think that that might be a little more difficult. Cause I remember going to Boston from Mississippi, and I would remember thinking, "Is I'm in another country?" You know, I mean, <laughs> so just imagine when you actually have to go to another country out of high school. So I think it's good for the game. I think the college game still gonna be a great, uh, be great to watch, and I just think um, we should go back the way it used to be, you know, because these guys come in with a lot of talent, man. You know, I remember when we spoke at the Big Three, you mentioned that you said you knew that you were ready for the NBA. I mean, when, when you're talking about averaging over 42 points per game in high school, I mean, how could you feel that you weren't ready? You know, so is it just like, do you think that we're gonna see more players try and do a professional route? beforehand like within the next two years to try and get paid or is it just you know i mean we're now seeing players take like a million dollar internship that's becoming a thing now is it just that the high school isn't doing enough like you you kind of think that hey why can't i play right now is that just going to be something where there's no need for college in, in the next few years no, 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 no. I would never say there's no need for college <laughs> i would never say that uh, you know because i mean just as just like you have a lot of guys, like I remember the year I got drafted, it was seven of us in the first round, you know, but it's a 30-round draft. I mean, it's a 30, you know, pick draft. So, 30-pick uh, round. So, my thing is, the guy, if seven people in the first round got uh, drafted out of high school, the other guys came from college, you know. And, I, I mean, I remember Andre Iguodala, who was in my class, went to college, you know, had great years in college, and, and look at what he's doing now. You look at Devin Harris, guys, you know, he was in my class, went to college had a great year in college and came into the NBA had a great um great career also so I just feel like the college game is just as more important because you know especially the kids who decide to go get their education I mean like right now I'm not in the NBA no more but they can't never take that education away from you you know no matter how old you mm-hmm. get you always be able to be in a position to make money out there so I think the college game is college is just as much important before as guys who like myself who had an opportunity to skip that and go right in and, and, and you know, and, and, and thank God it worked out well for me. Um, you know, I think you shouldn't be, um, you shouldn't have that, that choice taken away from you also. So we, we, we know in your career that you played for five different teams in the NBA and, uh, excuse me, four teams. No, is it five? It's five. Yeah, it's five. I, no, it's five. I, I, I forgot. <laughs> so uh, with those five teams that you played for, what was your, what was your favorite place to play at? You know, all five teams was, um, you know, it was um, 
great for me at that time. When, you know, each team I went to, it was just a, I looked at it as a new journey. I mean, going to Boston, like I said, that was amazing. You know, because that was kind of like the beginning stage. And then I got traded for one of the best players in the league at that time to go to Minnesota. Signed my first big contract. And them three years was tough for as losing, um, you know, trying mm-hmm. to rebuild. But um, just the experience I had under my belt. And then when I went to Utah, it was kind of like a, a new beginning for me. Right. You know, uh, going to Utah, actually going to a, a situation that at that time we wanted we was wanted to win. And I, had, I was in a position to win with a great team. And Charlotte was kind of like, I felt like when I, when I grew up in the league, you know, when I went to Charlotte, it was kind of like, you know, I put that team, um, you know, I got with that young team and me and Kemmer and a lot of them key guys, we, you know, we put, got us, got Charlotte back in the playoffs. I made all NBA, you know, and then um, my, uh, my, my time in Indiana was just, you know, it humbled me, you know, it humbled me in a way that, that's when I realized my career, I had more years behind me than I did in front of me. So I changed my way of thinking for it. Now I could bring something else to the table and help the young guys who I was in a position, um, you know, not too long before. So every experience, every team was a different experience. And it was a, you know, um, you know, I feel like at that time in my career was a well needed experience. So I, I, I love every city um, that I, every team I played for, every city. Um, Charlotte reminded me a little bit more of Mississippi because that's where I'm from and where I'm used to. But you know, um, you know, my first nine years I was in the snow. So between Boston, and Minnesota, and uh, Utah, so I had to get used to that. But I mean, it was it was just the greatest experience, man. That's why I said it's, it's NBA, man. It's it been it's been good to me, man. Really. Yeah. You know, that's a real interesting perspective. I want to know. What did it feel like? You talked about before when you you were the centerpiece in that KG deal to Boston. So you're like 21, 22 years old. You get the brand new contract, and now you become the face of the Minnesota Timberwolves. What was that feeling like? Was there a lot of pressure? Were you ready for it? I mean, you're the face of the franchise now. I mean, yeah, it was a lot of pressure, but it kind of wasn't either because – you know, we went in that. We went in there. Um, the, the city, the fans knew that we was in a rebuilding stage. The, the team knew we was in a rebuilding stage. They made that very clear to me when I, when we got traded there. Okay, this is a rebuilding stage. We want to get the young guys and, and just try to build from them. So um, I, I went in and just wanted to do the things that uh, they needed me to do. You know, I knew I was stepping into a more. You know, that was my fourth year in the league, so I was stepping into more of a leader role, even though it was older guys on the team. But I was, the, like you said, a centerpiece to that uh, trade. And, uh, and I had good veterans. I had good guys, Greg Buckner. I had Kevin Oliver. I had um, uh, Theo Ratliff. I had, uh, oh, man, I can name some more vets. Uh, Jason Hart. I had some good vets around me around that time. Them three years I was there, they, they helped me and um, helped me along the way. And it made, you know, especially um Later on in my career, it, it helped me a long way, you know. So I was um, I was very um, blessed to be around. You know, like I said, I'm three years, probably the worst three years of my career for us losing and winning 14, 15 games a year. But, you know, for uh, just learning and that growing pain, it was good and, and it helped me along the way uh, as I got older. Well, I have to ask you about your days in Utah. You got to play a little bit with Darren Williams and then in Charlotte you play with Kimba Walker, uh, two totally different yeah. point guards. But who did you enjoy playing with more? Um, I mean, both of them, both of them to me, um, you know, like you said, they were two different point guards, but they were the best, at, you know, for as 
the kind of point guard they was. You know, uh, D. Will was more of a getting everybody, a system point guard, getting everybody involved, a pick and roll point guard. You know, and, and he he would beat you in, in like kind of like that Chris Paul way. Kemmel was more of a scoring point guard, but also could get guys involved too. You know, and um, so both of them were just you know great at what they did. Uh, I think the Charlotte days it was more. You know, we 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 uh, connected together a lot better than we did in Utah because when I came to Utah, that was called a boozer and D. Wheel, you know, one two punch. Right. You know, you had Paul Millsap, you had them guys. So from D. Will going from playing a pick and roll with Carlo Boozer, who we all know, them guys, they ran that pick and roll better than anybody I ever seen do it. You know, and I wasn't a, that type of pick and roll type of player. I was more of a post type inside out. But the last six months, me and D. Will played together. We um we figured it out. You know, we you know we figured it out and we got it together. You know, unfortunately, you know the big trade and all that stuff went down. So. Um, that changed it. But, you know, it was, that little time I had with D-Will was fun. You, you actually come over to Indiana. I mean, when we're talking about the center topic comes up, I mean, the topic of discussion right now is always, can Sabonis and Miles Turner coexist? But when you saw the two of them, you met them for the first time, how have you seen their game grow? And what were they like initially? I mean, um, Miles Turner, I mean, I didn't really, I want to ride him a lot in uh, his rookie year, of course, just watching the play. You know, when I got to the place of you in the second year, and I was just remember thinking about Miles, just the one thing that stood out to me about Miles, he was a good kid that wanted to be great. I remember Larry Bird was, uh, when I interviewed with Larry Bird uh, after I signed, that was one of the first things he said to me, like, you're going to really love playing with Miles Turner. He's a good kid. You know, he works hard. He's not the type that you come to and criticize him a little bit or try to correct him a little bit. He ain't going to take it personal. He's going to listen. And Larry Bird laid it right out to the team. That's exactly how Miles Turner was. I mean, he the only thing I didn't like about Miles, he got down on himself, you know, a lot. And I did the same thing when I was a young player. I used to get down on myself a lot, you know. But, you know and so, you know, he got better with that in, uh, in the two years I was there with him. So I just think Miles, you know, my little time around him, he only had one way to go, and that was up. And I think he he continued to prove that every year he's been in the league. You know, so, and uh, Sabonis. Oh, I'm sorry, man. No, you go ahead. I, I thought you were finished. Go ahead. I want to hear what you have to say about Sabonis. Yeah, as far as Sabonis, you know, uh, this is a weird thing. Um, I never forget. I showed up at training camp, and uh, Nate pulled me into the office, and that's when we made a trade for. And he said. Um, we're going to play the young guys. You know, we're going to go with Sabonis back in our mouths. And I remember sitting there thinking like, okay, well, Nate, whatever you need me to do to help, you know, and to help um, Sabonis get through this. And, you know, you know, I'm a team player, you know, because, you know, I mean, that was, a, that was a, you know, most veteran guys, you know, don't know how to handle that, you know, because, you know, tell you, you know, and I just, you know, I just remember being that young kid. I remember being that young boy who came in and, and took, um, Tom Gugali, perfect example, my rookie year, you know, I, I took his minutes. And he worked with me every day after the um after practice. We played one on one every day after practice. He didn't take it personally. He didn't t- he didn't treat me no different, you know, and uh, eventually he wound up getting traded, but we had the the six months we played together, he didn't do nothing but try to help me, you know, as a young player. And I that rubbed off on me. So when I became an old head 
<laughs> I want to do the same for uh, from the young guys around me. So that's when me and Sabonis got real close. You know, I took him under my wing. Me and him used to work together every day. You know, he's another person that get down on himself too much. You know, and I try to teach him and Miles, you know, not to get down on yourself. Just you know, continue to work through it and play through it. You know, and man, I just think I think they could play together. Um, I honestly think they done proved they could play together. You know, and um, I just feel like every year I, I feel like they're gonna get better this year. I really do. Yeah, and so like for me, I think a lot of Pacer fans, the the big concerns they have with these two is. How are they going to guard the perimeter with smaller fours, you know, with Sabonis out there guarding them? You know, uh, offensively, we like to see Sabonis use that right hand a little bit more. I know he goes left quite a bit. And Miles Turner, uh, the criticism for him is he doesn't play in the post, I guess you could say, as much as people would like him to play in the post and be a physical down there. So is there any areas of concern you kind of think they could improve on maybe uh, over over the next season that you're looking for them to improve on so they can become that dynamic duo down low? Oh yeah, most definitely. I think uh, every year you you got to get better. You got to get better. Um, I think when you get ten years in, <laughs> it's nice. It's all about keeping what you got going, keeping that sharp. But um, I think uh, I mean I, I played fourteen years in the NBA, and you could count on my left hand how many times I actually used my left hand. So I'm not I'm not stuck. Right? I'm not. I'm a big. I'm not a big believer that oh a player got to use both hands. Mm-hmm. You know, I just feel like. Like Reggie Miller, you remember Reggie, Reggie Miller did not have the perfect shooting form. Nope. But he made so many shots. And I'm, I'm sure some coach decided that I'm not going to mess with his shooting form. You know, so and I know that's a little different for using left hand, right hand. But uh, I don't think, you know, I think Sabonis would be okay with if he don't ever get to the point he's comfortable using his right hand. Because, I mean, it works for me. I, I didn't never use my left hand. So I just, I mean, I know the criticism they come with the job, and it, you know, they come with uh, along with everything. But at the end of the day, I just think them guys um, continue to work and just get better every year. You know, everything gonna work out. Right. And if they don't, they can't play well together. Then that's when the GMs and um, Kevin them, um, KP them gonna come, and then they got to make that decision. But I just feel like they just need to worry about the things they could control, and let everything else take care of itself. You know, Al, I, I was pretty, you know, pretty high on the Pacers offseason this year. I thought they had a, a really good offseason for being, you know, one of the more small market teams. One of the guys that they signed that you're very familiar with from a time in Charlotte is Jeremy Lamb. Jeremy Lamb's expected to fill in for Oladipo at the two-guard position while Oladipo finishes rehab. But what can we expect from Jeremy Lamb from someone who knows him pretty well? <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, Jeremy Lamb is one of them guys I want to play with for a year. But it feels like I've been knowing him for ten years. You know, you know he's a great guy on and off the court. And one thing I do know about Jeremy, um, you know, he, he he had to work hard to get to where he at. You know, it wasn't nothing gave to him. You know, um, and he wanted to prove that he deserved everything that he gets for on the court. You know, he wanted to prove that you could tell. And and if and you look at uh, since the last time I played with him up to now, he has got better every year. He became. I think he became a, a a great scorer off the bench, you know. And mm-hmm. like you said, when Gate come back, him and Vic at that two guard, that's gonna be tough, man. It's gonna it's gonna be tough. So uh, I think I think that 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 was a great pickup that the Pacers made for the money that he wanted. And I, I think it's gonna work out, man. I really do because John Lamb is a good kid. He's gonna work hard, and it fit perfectly for the Pacers locker room because. The Pacers, one thing I love about the Indiana Pacers uh, is the locker room, the team chemistry. I mean, they teach that there. 
So you got to have that. And if the guys get along, they put the right set of guys together. I don't know how they do it, <laughs> but they do. And I think when I found out they picked up John, I said that's just going to be perfect for that locker room and plus for that team. That's exciting to hear. I was a really big fan of that Jeremy Liam signing as well, especially for what they got him for, very similar to what you signed with the Pacers right. for back a couple of years ago as well. And, you know, I think this Pacers team going forward has a lot of potential, and I think fans are really excited. They're young, and they're just ready to kind of blow this thing up and shock the world, but they're still kind of being looked down upon by some people. And so when you look at this roster compared to other rosters in the Eastern Conference, do you think they stack up? Where do you think they stack up at? I mean, I, 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 I mean, you look at how well they did last year, all the way up to um, Vic got hurt, and then even when Vic got hurt, how they maintained mm-hmm. and they still made the playoffs. So I mean, that just show you, you know, Nate gonna have them guys. He gonna put every all them guys in the right position to win. Even guys be hurt, and you know, the next guy step up to. Um, to um, step in and fill the role. So um, with his system, I'm not I'm not worrying about that. Uh, but for us, with the talent they have, you know, with the sign, the the the, the, the free agent they signed this summer, I just think they they got a chance to be top four. Oh, nice. I mean, you look at before they got hurt last year, they was right there in the top. Um, I think they was three or four. Three. Right? I think they oh, yeah, three. Yeah, they three were sitting three at three before they got hurt. Right? Yeah, and they and they, even after Vic got hurt, it took a while for them to lose that three spot. Mm-hmm. You know, so and I just feel like that's a this team right here healthy. Even when Vic come back, it's a better team than last year, in my opinion. Agreed. It's just the pieces they got, and I just know Nate. I mean, I only played for Nate two years, but I'm telling you, he always had my respect. You know, Nate is one of he is. You know, he's a you know him as a, if you know watch him as a player. You know, the way he played the game, you look at it, he's the same way as a coach. You know, so, I mean, I think they got a chance. I really do they got a chance to have home court advantage this year. Awesome. You know, Al, when you left Charlotte in 2016, I would imagine there's probably a few other suitors you know, out there looking for you. What drew you to Indiana? Can you kind of give a little bit of, like, maybe like a 30-second pitch to free agents on why coming to Indiana is the right move? <laughs> We need the help. Well, I'm gonna be honest <laughs> with you. I'm gonna be honest with you, man. Indiana and Boston, and I can name a few more teams. When you find out they want you, it's really an honor. Like you feel honor because them, a lot of the teams out here is first class teams, and they don't deal with the drama. They don't deal with bad guys. They want good, solid players, but most of all, a great guy. You know, a winning attitude. So when I found out Indiana wanted me, it was like, whoa, wow, for real. Then you look at the talent they had on their team at the time, Paul George and Miles Turner. A couple more guys, Monte Ellis. I just felt like that was the best opportunity for me. And it was honest with me. They said they don't want me to bring me off the bench. And I felt like at that time, my career, that was cool. I started my career coming off the bench, so I didn't mind finishing coming off. So it was just a good opportunity. I felt like I needed to take advantage of it. Absolutely. Well, I, I have to. I have one more question for you, and my question for you is, you know, you mentioned how you didn't even hardly use your left hand that many times, but you had such great footwork in the paint, possibly the best footwork in the NBA in the entire 2010s decade. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that lightly either. I mean, you put people on skates with just your up and unders, your, your pump fakes, your moves. I mean, just everything. Nobody knew what you were going to do down there. So, uh 
you know, how did that, who was the, what is the most memorable moment you have where you fake somebody out, like a, a highlight reel that you remember and that it made you just smile because you just put the biggest move on somebody? <laughs> well, i tell you what, uh, I have a lot of those. Uh, but I'll tell you that one that stands out to me was actually with my last year in Indiana. And if you go back and watch the game against Brooklyn, and I think we were playing against that young fella. Uh, he was a rookie then. Allen? Jared Allen. Allen. Jared Allen. Uh, Jared Allen, yeah. So uh, Nate always did a good job of letting me know when he's going to play play me. You know, he'll tell me the day before or the day or he said, I'm probably going to play tonight or whatever. So that day he told me, so I was prepared and ready. So when you put me in the game, if you remember the play, it was a pick and roll, and they threw me the ball, and I kind of did a uh, – the the jump, I mean, I did a uh, ball fake with my hand. Like, <laughs> I went up like, Nate said I went up like the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> I went up and he jumped and I went by him and laid it up. And I remember after the game, Nate was like, yeah, in front of the team, he was like, yeah, that was an amazing move, you know. Like, for him to come out and say that was just an amazing move, <laughs> move and give me credit on it. It just stood out. So that was one of the ones that stood out to me. And, um, you know, but I, like I said, um, Pargo, Janario Pargo used to always tell me I made jokes about not being athletic. You know, I've never been above the realm type of guy. He said, man, you athletic in different ways. You see how hard it is for you to do them ball fakes and footwork and get guys off. You know, that's a different that type of athletic. So I guess I am a little athletic, but I can't jump over a credit card. So, hey. <laughs> hey, I'll take it any way I can get it, you know. <laughs> Uh, you know, for my last question, I gotta say, I mean, I used to tell everyone that I felt like you were the ultimate veteran on that Pacers team, like someone who had pretty much done it all in the NBA. I mean, like I mentioned before, twenty points per game, just numerous seasons, the double digit rebounds, all of that. But you finished your last year with the Pacers shooting over fifty three percent. Did you feel like you had anything more to give to, to the league and the fans? Or were you fully content in saying, Hey, I got 14 years out of this, and I'm pr- I'm pretty proud with this career, and I, I think I'm going to call it. I mean, it's, it's both, man. I mean, I feel like I have 14 years out of it. I had a, I made a boatload of money. I saved my money. Mm-hmm. I always feel like I wanted to walk away from the game before you know the game said, "Oh, we don't want you no more." Uh, but in yeah. this case, that's not the case. I mean. Um, you know, I still I feel like if the right opportunity to come up, somebody reach out to me and just want me to come in, be that veteran guy, and be perfect, a good situation for me. I do it. I'm not I'm not against that. You know, um, you know. But right here, right now, I'm just enjoying my retirement and enjoying the big three. Um, but I was just talking to Joe Johnson. You know, he he got some opportunities to go back to the league. Myra um, uh, Stoudemire, he was telling me how he talked to some. Uh, you know, so I, I'm not I'm not denying. I'm only 34. Them guys are a little older than me. So, <laughs> you know, if that opportunity comes, I'd love to take it. You know, I would take it to the right position. But uh, if it's, you know, but if not, I'm good. I'm sitting there relaxing, and I'm going to be sitting there watching because the NBA going to be so much fun this year. <laughs> Absolutely. So I'm just looking forward to sitting and watching it, yeah. Absolutely. Well, Al, before we let you go, we have a little segment we're going to be doing here with all of our guests going forward, and you're going to be the first person we're doing this with, but we're going to ask you oh, some rapid-fire questions, if you're okay with that. <laughs> Why well, i got to be the first one? All because, right, on. <laughs> because you're big Al. This is a monumental episode for us. So. 
Oh, man. Come on. So, so what kind of questions? So you I'm going to ask you just ten random questions. It can be about just life. It can be just about basketball in general. But just give me the first answer that comes to your mind. We won't spend too much time. Just quick thought, quick reaction to it. I'm going to go through them real quick. So uh, to start things off, favorite movie? Oh, man, favorite movie. I'm talking about here. I got to say Life. Oh, God. I got a lot of favorite movies, but Life. I'm going to say Life right now. Okay. Weirdest food that you've ate in China? No, I didn't eat no weird food in China. Uh, I stayed away from that. <laughs> well, I know, my I uncle actually works in China like all the time, and he tells me some of the weirdest stuff he has to eat because he said it's rude if you don't eat it on your plate. So I just like, oh, I got to ask him. Well, I was rude. So <laughs> I didn't okay. do it. <laughs> all right, what was your favorite arena to play in? Oh, my favorite arena to play in. I have to say it had to be in New York or L.A. Okay. Both of them. It was okay. just because they were, you know, with the history behind it. You know, it was cool. Yeah. All right. Favorite player yeah, growing up? Favorite player growing up? Um, Shaq and Elijah. And Elijah one. Okay. That was my two favorite players. I know you said Shaq one. I, I, I can't throw one out the other one. <laughs> exactly. Favorite era of basketball? Oh, the 90s, man. Of the course. 90s and 2000. Oh, man. That was the best. I mean, I remember watching Michael Jordan winning his first championship. I was six years old. I remember oh, watching it. Wow. Yeah, so that was cool. Okay, well, this one goes pretty good with that follow-up then. The 90s Bulls or the Warriors with KD? Oh, God, no disrespect to nobody, nobody. But I, 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 and, I, and, I, and we argue about this all the time because, like I said, I watched the 90s. Mm-hmm. I, I can't see the 90s Bulls, especially at 96, 97, 98. I can't see them losing to Golden State. Okay. I just can't. 97-game <laughs> series. I love it. I, I love it. I can't. I just can't. Ron Harper. I mean, because you look at this. I'm going to just say this. You, they could switch everything. Michael Jordan, Scotty Pippen, Ron Harper, uh, Dennis Robin. They could switch. They could switch everything. Mm-hmm. For us with the K, with the Golden State War. They were long and athletic to switch. No, Dennis Robin can't guard KD for eight minutes. But switch. I think he can. Mm-hmm. You know. Oh, so, he's gonna bust I don't know. Day. I mean, I hate to be. Yeah, I know. I hate to be arguing about something that we would never know because we would never see it happen, but I just, mm-hmm. that's just my opinion on it. <laughs> now, hypotheticals are the best thing to argue about. Uh, best jerseys right. in the NBA? Best jersey in the NBA? Mm-hmm. You mean for his team jersey? Yeah, like your favorite jersey, like design, whatever era. It doesn't matter. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I always thought any jersey in the NBA is cool because it's an NBA jersey, you know? So, <laughs> I mean, All right, well, well. I know we'll... <laughs> All right, we'll just say the Pacers jersey like then. All right, the new Pacers jersey. All right. Well, I, I was going to say, well, that's what I was going to say. The Pacers had more jerseys than mm-hmm. um, those the Clayheads. Those Hickory, the Clayheads, like so the Hickory they jerseys. Yeah. yeah, the Hickory jersey. That was cool, yeah. Okay, all right. Who was the best teammate you played with? Oh, man, I have a lot of teammates, man. A lot of good teammates. I have. Now you got to put me on the spot. You can do top three. <laughs> Uh, I would have to say the whole 2015-2016 roster in uh, Charlotte. Okay. I mean, I can say that for Indiana, too. I can say that for Indiana, too, which is just, you know, but um, I can just say I've never been on one team that all the guys got along, mm-hmm. you know. Absolutely. They, all right. You know, There's two left. Yeah. I won't keep you too long. I know this is kind of lengthy, but uh, best nickname of all time. You know, I got to go with Paul Pierce's nickname, The Truth. 
the truth. Okay. I mean, I like yeah, I like I like Alan the answer. I like the ticket, you know. But the truth it just always stood out to me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I and think I remember when Shaq the first called him. the round out of rebound. Yeah, the glove. Okay. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. All right, and then last question: Who is the greatest of all time? <sighs> My opinion, I gotta go with MJ, man. Okay, I gotta go with yeah, MJ. I, I was just, respect, I was just respect. saying yesterday. Saying yesterday, this man never went to the finals and went to a game seven. Oh wow! He never lost in the finals. He never went. He never went to a game seven in the finals. Uh, I mean, I, I, I gotta I, give it to him. Quick question: If he doesn't retire, does he go to eight straight or win eight straight? Yeah, I really do believe that. I, I do. think so. I, do I think so. I don't see nobody beating him in the nineties, and I think I'm glad he retired because then my boy Akeem Olajuwon got him two quick ones. There we go. But, yep, um, he needed those. He needed those. <laughs> but if he would, if he wouldn't retire, the Bulls would have won eight championships in a row. I really believe. Well, absolutely, man. Well, it's That's been a pleasure cool. having you on, Al. We will definitely have to do this again soon if you're up for it. Maybe we can catch up with you later in the season and see how the paces are doing and talk about it. Hey, man, what I got to do, man? I'm going to retire. Call me anytime. <laughs> All right, well, we'll definitely do that. Oh, man. Al, I wish you nothing but the best in retirement, and uh, thanks again for those pacing years, man. We enjoyed it a lot. Oh, oh man, thank you, man. Thank you. Pacer fans, welcome back to Setting the Pace. I'm here right now with probably the most popular guy on Pacers Twitter right now, Zach Pearson. Uh, his video went viral. Uh, he was super loopy, and he uh, <laughs> made a video after having his wisdom teeth out talking about Victor Oladipo. It's been everywhere on Twitter. If you haven't seen it, I'm sorry you're missing out. Go check it out. You can follow Zach on Twitter at Zach A. Pearson. But before we get into this video, man, like this surgery, this is a tough surgery to go through, having all four wisdom teeth pulled out. How you feeling? Feeling pretty good, man. I uh, just got off the pain meds officially, just taking some lighter stuff now, and uh just a little sore, but I'm doing pretty good now. I mean, you, you've been on a couple shows. I know you did an article with eight points nine second. Like, are you are you able to talk that well? Or, I mean, is it hurt to talk? Um, yeah, it's a little hard to talk, but I mean, I just got some adrenaline going right now. To be <laughs> honest, so it doesn't really doesn't really bug me too much. Right, right. So when when you're on this, you know, little sabbatical of eating foods that are the normal foods we what kind of foods are you eating right now during this surgery um definitely mott's applesauce is my favorite right now had like eight of those a day um (laughs) snack packs and uh some kfc mashed potatoes okay there you go i like i like all those man you can't go wrong with mott's applesauce Possibly yeah. the best applesauce out there, you know, for sure. But oh, yeah. So let, let's talk about this video, man. I don't want to over-talk over, over about it. I know you've been talking about it quite a bit, but who videoed you? Where were you at? What was going on? Do you even remember this video being taken? Like, what was going through your mind? Okay, so my girlfriend actually um, filmed the video that my little brother had wanted me. He had asked me what my favorite team was. He wanted to see if I would remember and um, apparently right after that, I got emotional and wanted my girlfriend to video me talking to Victor because I wanted to make sure he was doing all right. So, yeah, just basically as soon as I got home from the procedure, I sat down in the chair and I was like, I need I need to talk to him. So my girlfriend started filming me and then that's 
that's what that's what happened. I don't remember anything uh, talking about it. I just remember getting home, and she told me I got a video talking to Victor afterwards. So it was pretty funny seeing that. Okay, um, so you don't I, remember any part of that conversation until you were shown that video later. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Wow, <laughs> that's pretty awesome. It's, it's, I mean, yeah. it's it's funny. I mean, the probably the most the popular video with a kid having like his having his wisdom tooth pulled out was that I think his name was David. It was like a Vine forever on YouTube back in the day where he's like, is this going to last forever? Like <laughs> it's the funniest thing ever. Yeah. So I absolutely love videos of people who just had their teeth pulled out. So yeah. we all, we all definitely want Oladipo to come back. So I won't keep harping on this, but you know, looking at this team right now, I mean, what are your thoughts on the moves they made this summer? Oh, I, I love it, man. So definitely how, uh, We've added scores. It's amazing. TJ TJ Warren, people sleeping on him. I've been seeing it on Twitter all the time, talking. Um, he's going to be incredible for us. And obviously Malcolm Brogdon. Malcolm Brogdon, when when that happened, I mean, it's just like, you just, it's one of those things you just don't believe it. It's like with this whole video thing. Like, we signed Malcolm Brogdon. I was just like, how's this even real? That was like the dream <laughs> scenario. You know what I mean? So that's that's your favorite pickup that the Pacers have then. Oh yeah, 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 Malcolm Brogdon for sure. That's my guy. I, yeah, that was incredible. All right, so do you, okay. So let me ask you this: We got this Sabonis Turner lineup coming into into play here, where Sabonis is going to be playing as a power forward. Do you like that that duo down low with Sabonis and Turner? Do you think it can actually work? Um, I think it can work, but it just really depends on Sabonis being able to. Um, shoot better. I think he he's great in the post, obviously. But um, as far as like shooting and stuff, he's less efficient the farther out he goes um, from the basket. And um, I mean, we know Miles is a great defender. He's proven that last year. I think he got snubbed Defensive Player of the Year. But um, as far as them playing together, I think it can work. We just got to see what Nate does. I mean, honestly, it's. Um, all about their chemistry together, and yeah, we'll just have to see how it plays out. Yeah, I mean, I do think Sabonis needs to be shooting a little bit more and probably a little bit more from you know range. But at the same time, he can make that same argument for Miles Turner. And right now, I mean, if you're looking at this Pacers team, I think Sabonis is by far the better pick and roll player. So with the way the offense was kind of ran last year, we saw Thaddeus Young kind of standing in the corner sometimes, you know, not really being a threat on the offensive end. Do you think they could run this right. pick and roll with Sabonis and then kind of use Turner as that stretch four on offense? Yeah, no, Sabonis, Sabonis can't, he can definitely play, he can be the stretch, I think for sure, because, um, I mean, he can just, I mean, the Duke and ball, I mean, with the coaching, with Nate McMillan, I mean, yeah, I think it would be good. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you this. We had some other pickups for the bench to kind of bolster our bench up. you got uh, T.J. McConnell. You've got Jeremy Lamb. You've got Justin Holliday. And they drafted Goga Bataze. Do you think that those guys are going to really help, you know, the bench, the bench strength uh, considering what we had last year? Yeah, Lamb's going to be great when Old Depot comes back for sure. He's, our bench last year was pretty deep too, um, you know, but we got, I mean, we had a lot of free agents, so. That didn't help, but I think I think our bench is still pretty much the same. I'm really excited to see, honestly, what TJ Leaf is going to do for right. us this year because people 
people last year, I mean, you got to think, the guy had so much momentum going for him. I mean, he played his first game and he gets hurt. And it's just like, I don't know. I To me, Leaf is an outstanding. He's off the glass. He can get so many rebounds. And he's just great around the rim, just like Sabonis. And uh, if he plays good, I think our bench will be pretty good again this year. But I just hope, uh, hope people don't give him too hard of a time because last year he got hurt. He didn't really get a chance to prove himself. He kind of lost all the momentum right out of the gate. So, so you were on the TJ Leaf train then, I see. Yeah, I like I like the guy. I think he can play. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that he's probably a little bit underrated by based on how fans view him. Now, do you think that the reason fans view him so low, I guess you could say, is because of the fact that OG and Obi and John Collins went after him? I mean, probably. I mean, mm-hmm. it's always a gut punch to see, like, when you compare the players like that. But then again, you never know what it's going to be. Like, that whole draft scenario, like, you never know what actually would have happened. You know, say we drafted one of those guys. So, I mean, you never really know. You just got to kind of trust the development, really. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So, just to, before I get you out of here, I want to talk a little bit about Oladipo with you. Obviously, the video that went viral was about you wanting to check in on Victor, see how he's doing, letting him know how you feel about him. What What are you expecting from Oladipo this season? I know that he's coming back from a pretty serious injury. Are you expecting a revamped Oladipo, or do you think it's going to take some time for him to really get back to the level that he once was at? Well, I think not playing um, in an NBA game for that long is going to, like anybody would struggle with that. So I think he's going to come back. He's not going to be the exact same Vic right away. Um, but, I mean, uh, you see his uh, posting on Instagram and on his show, he's got tons of shooting videos, and he's just knocking down shot after shot after shot. I mean, I think he's going to become a more – uh, efficient scorer. He, I mean, he obviously can get the basket anytime he wants, but I think he's become a more efficient uh, shooter because before he got hurt, he was not doing the best. I mean, he didn't, I mean, compared to the most improved player numbers. Right. So um, he wasn't doing the best, but I think he's going to be more um, patient and more efficient when he returns. Absolutely. And so just to wrap this up, I see on your Twitter it says you're a meat and cheese type of guy. Um, <laughs> so what is your favorite meat and cheese combo? Oh, man. Um, you know, I mean, classic cheeseburger. You can't go wrong with it. Pretty much anywhere you go, you can just get meat and cheese. I mean, you've gotta, you don't want to lose all that flavor with all that whack veggies and stuff, man. You just got <laughs> to stick with that meat and cheese. Okay, so you what's your favorite burger it. then? Where do you like getting your burgers from? Oh man, um, talking uh, fast food. Uh, Whatever, like your favorite place to get a burger. Like it doesn't matter where I'm at. I think Five Guys burgers are the best burgers. Five Guys, that's pretty good. Um, I mean, there's some local places around town that are pretty good, but I think um, if I'm gonna pick up one from anywhere, Wendy's is pretty solid. It's yeah. a go-to bacon cheeseburger. Can't go wrong with that. See, now you're adding bacon on there. Now we're now we're getting down the hill. We don't want to yeah. go down. So I mean, but, like, meat and cheese can also be like tacos, subs. I mean, it doesn't. This depends on what kind of meat. Oh yeah. You like. So like yeah, for sub true. for me for meat and cheese, like I, I'm hitting up um, Penn Station every day. Like I love Penn Station so oh, much. Penn Station, I get a Philly cheesesteak. Yeah. I get Philly cheese. You can't go wrong with no Philly cheesesteak. No veggies, yeah. absolutely. And then and then yeah. tacos. I mean, I love tacos. Who go, who can go wrong with tacos? <laughs> oh yeah, I mean Taco Bell's good. 
but it's terrible the day after, my man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm yeah I, I have to avoid Taco Bell now. It's not done good things for my stomach. The older I get, so yeah. uh, it just keeps getting worse and worse every visit I go to. But Zach, it was a pleasure having you on, man. We'll have to do it again soon. Thanks for being a part yeah. of our featured fan of the week. And uh, where can Pacer fans find you at on Twitter? At Zach A. Pearson. Same for Instagram as well, right? Yeah, my app's the same on everything. All right, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on, and uh, we'll talk to you later. Yep, I appreciate it. Alrighty, Pacer fans, that does it for another episode here of Setting the Pace on PacersTalk.net. We want to thank Al Jefferson and Zach Pearson for coming on the show today. We want to let you guys know that we are officially on Spotify now. So if you're wanting to listen to our podcast on Spotify, it is available there at Setting the Pace on Spotify. If you're liking what you're hearing on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, make sure you leave us a rating and a review. And if you haven't already, check out PacersTalk.net where we have all of our latest content where you can check out new podcasts, old podcasts with former Pacer players, and just check out different articles that we've written throughout the offseason. And we know that that will be picking back up once the season starts, possibly next week with that schedule coming out. So, alrighty, Pacer fans, we hope you guys enjoy today's episode, and we will talk to you all next week. Peace out, Pacer Nation. Let's go, Pacers. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.